Well, welcome to episode 59. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Ted Lasso season three, episode six. And as you are probably noticing, we are now at a place where we get to be following along as the episodes drop. So this week, you're going to listen to this and hopefully watch this episode this week, or you're about to so that you can think about these ideas with us. So just a quick recap for episode season three, episode six. The team is in Amsterdam playing a quote unquote friendly game, in which case they lose once again, zero to five. The spirits are low. Spirits are low amongst everybody, it seems. And they do decide to have a night out in Amsterdam before they head home. Ted makes the call, no curfew tonight for the team. And they head out on various adventures. We learn that Keeley's off to Norway with Jack, that Roy and Jamie go out for more training. Higgins and Will head to the red light district. Rebecca heads out for a walk and encounters a handsome stranger. The team spends a really long time trying to come to consensus about how to spend the night. Colin sneaks out on his own to a club uh, and is surprised to find that Trent Krim has followed him. Um, Beard gives Ted some special tea and they all have adventures. And I think quite miraculously all <laughs> find their way back to the bus by 10 AM the next morning and they head out of town. So that's just a quick recap. There's a lot of different people doing different things in this episode. Um, as we were thinking about the theme for what we were seeing going on that we wanted to explore today, we were thinking about the idea that novelty is good for the soul. We see a lot of people doing some different things than they normally do. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that today. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a great example of how travel also is good, like getting out of the place that you normally are. I feel like there's so much value in these stories all happening when they are away from home, right? Like it, like adds, a, I mean, there's an extra element of novelty, but also this extra element of like uncertainty and adventure. And you get to be someone else when you're away from like your norm and your structure. I just think um, that's kind of the, the thing that we see with a bunch of these folks, right? That's pretty cool. I'm excited. Who do you yeah. want to talk about first? Maybe Rebecca, I'm thinking. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So first I want to like, so we know Rebecca kind of starts the episode with Keely and is like, let's go out. We're in Amsterdam and Keely immediately ditches her. Yeah. Her, her new girlfriend. It seems like girlfriend. Person, At least dating, dating enough to be on their private plane. To know yeah. Can I, I just want to comment on this for a moment. I'm interested in your thoughts because mm -hmm. Keely is striking me given what has happened the last two episodes? Rebecca seems real cool with it. Like she's very much like letting Keely be herself, not for, you know, she's supporting her. But I do feel like this is highlighting a thing that I see happen. And I've certainly had happen in friendships where that friend gets like a romantic partner and all of a sudden you never see them and they're constantly with that partner. I get very annoyed with this in my friends. I mean, like, I think there, there's, there's, you know, there's a little bit of wiggle, right? Where you're like, of course you want to spend time with that person. Like I understand to some degree, but I also get so goddamn annoyed when people do this. I was feeling it just like the tiniest bit triggered. Yeah. I mean, 
it just, I, I feel like, yes. Okay. So yes, to me, it seems like, I know we're talking about Rebecca, but just like the pause on Keely to me, it seems like Keely is like super rebounding right now. Like we don't, well, obviously we don't have a lot of information, but I'm like, yeah, of course it sounds fun to fly off in a private jet with your like billionaire. Like, and maybe this is Keely's dating life before Roy. Like we don't really, and I mean, even during Roy, mm-hmm. she's like, seems to date like wealthy people that do fun things. <laughs> Yeah. So like, maybe this is kind of standard for her, but it also like, I'm definitely getting rebound vibes from it. And, and I mean, we don't know that much, but also I would say, I mean, I feel like that's something I've just, I feel like in middle school, I started have probably most of us, whenever anybody, whenever your friends started to get romantic Mm -hmm. partners, um, I feel like I've made peace with it at this point that like, at least for the first six months that someone is dating someone new, I'm like, okay, I'll see you in six months. Like this may not be, and I'm not saying I agree with it, but I think there's that adjustment, right? When you meet someone Mm -hmm. new, when you're excited about them, you're wanting to spend lots of time with them. I'm not, I'm just trying to like understand that I think that happens. And then we're like making space for that new person in our life. But it certainly is a bummer when you forget about your other friends. And I, I mean, I just saw someone the other day. Um, I just ran into somebody who used to be a really, really close friend. And they basically ditched me when they found their partner. And I don't know. I mean, maybe that friendship was supposed to end at that point. But I I, I have not seen that person since they got married. Like they, mm-hmm. they dated really quickly. They got married. And I... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, also it's been COVID and all kinds of other things, but it was so interesting running into the person because I was like, oh yeah, like we were really good friends and then you got married and now we're not friends. Like we're basically not friends anymore. It's so, yeah, <laughs> I find it annoying, but I've also sort of made peace with that. Like sometimes that's just what happens. And some of those people you like never see again because they're in, like, they just go away. It seems like. Yeah, I just I think the other side of it is I've had friends who do that, right? Like their MIA as soon as they have a new person in their life. And then whenever it is three weeks later, a month later, six months later, they kind of like when something usually when something blows up with that relationship, they kind of come crawling back. And I'm not like, I have kindness in this. I'm not like going to be like, no, fuck you. But I'm also I like genuinely have felt real annoyance because I'm like, look, I get it. You want to spend a lot of time with that person. You're trying to figure out like now you are injecting a new important person into your life. Like, of course, it's going to mean less time with the other people who are important in your life. Right. Like, that's just how it works. There's only so many hours in a day. And so even giving like some leeway for that, I know that for me, I think maybe because I watched so many rom-coms or read so many like young adult books growing up and like that was such a theme of like the friend who just pieces out when they get a, a significant other. Um, I was like almost the like so conscious of it that I felt like I had to be the opposite. So like anyone that I dated, I was like, no, I'm going to spend time with my friends. I will see you for one hour and then... <laughs> Like, like in some ways, I think sometimes it sabotaged my own relationships because I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to ditch my friends for you. And I think there's like obviously balance, but anyway, I feel like I'm hyper aware of it and it just, it gets so frustrating because you're like, look, I was there for you through all of this. And now this new person comes along and you aren't even willing to make a little bit of space for your friends. And like in your case, right? Like just totally pieced out 
when somebody new comes in I don't know it just yeah Rebecca was cool about it and like which is great I just was like yeah Rebecca was chill Rebecca was pretty chill about it agreed but yeah I'm sure it is just like annoying when somebody you're like cool cool I think yeah. it's a good thing, maybe like if, if we're to learn from things, like this is a good example of a time to take a pause and be like, am I somebody who does that? Is there like, what ways might I be able to like maintain those connections with my friends as I integrate a new romantic partner into my life? Like that, I think that that is a question maybe to ask just because those people were there for you. For sure. And I think there's also a both and and like, and I know you, I, I imagine we agree on this, that there's also like, Rebecca is also being really emotionally mature in that situation. Like they've always been with one another, which is to be like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Like, I mean, there've been other situations where they've gone off and done other things. Maybe it's usually Keely going off and doing other things, yeah. but like where they like create space for each other to, to, to do what they want to do. And we've seen that repeatedly throughout the, the show that like, there's mm-hmm. not a, but you said you would hang out with me kind of thing. And that, I think that's also cool on Rebecca's behalf to be able to be like, okay, yeah, like you're excited about this thing and, and, and not, not give her a guilt trip or like, you know, she accepts it gracefully and goes off on her own thing and does her own thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And has a great time. And I think like if she was resenting Keely for it, that would have maybe led her to not have as good of a time. Like she might not have been as open to a, fun experience I just want to say the northern lights are out a lot Keely calm down if Jack has a private plane we live in Alaska we know the northern lights are out a lot must have been a really good night Jesus. <laughs> she's just excited about Jack just let her they aren't even gonna Jack. look at the northern lights <laughs> just let her be excited <laughs> she just got broken up with she needs to go have some fun uh I do wonder, I mean, I think this is the last thing I want to say about Keely because we, I mean, we then don't see her the whole episode, Right. but I do wonder if what this is helping to show us is that she has a little bit of a pattern of like kind of bopping from one relationship to another. And because like, you know, she went straight from Jamie to Roy and it doesn't seem like it's been that long between Roy and Jack. And so I do wonder if we, I would be interested to see her reflecting on that a little bit. And as much as I like want her and Roy to be end game, because I want Roy with a baby and a baby Bjorn on the sidelines. <laughs> uh, I kind of am like, I don't know, maybe now I kind of want to just see her like coming to peace with being alone. I mean, like her, her whole thing when her and Roy first get together is independent woman, right? Keely Jones, sure. independent woman. I don't know. I was just thinking about that, that like, it seems like maybe she has some, some work to do in terms of her identity outside of a relationship. Totally agreed. In fact, that's what I thought you were going to bring up because I think that is the thing I was noticing is like, oh my goodness, like take a beat, like just take a beat. It's okay. Like you are a wonderful human. Like clearly you're going to find love. Like just, you don't just maybe just, yeah, either spend some time with your girlfriends or like hang out or, and I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's complicated when your ex is also on the team and like, you know, oh, there's all those other things, but yeah, I was definitely feeling the like, just take a beat, Keely, just take a beat. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm interested to see more about that, but back to kind of Rebecca herself. So Rebecca is alone again. I think Mm -hmm. that that is like a running theme for Rebecca this season is she 
is alone throughout. Like it seems like at every turn, everyone in her life she normally relies on are not available. And so she's having to navigate life alone, which I think is sort of one of her big fears. It seems like. Yeah. Has she said that? What, what, I, where's that coming from for you? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about, I'm trying to think if I've observed it, that. It just seems like that I got that. I don't know if she said it specifically. And it, I know that one of her big storylines is like being able to be vulnerable again, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I do think that there is something like she held on to the relationship with Rupert so strongly. Um, I think there, it just seems to me like the thought about family was really triggering to her. It seems like this idea of potentially being alone long-term is something that is scary for her, which like understandably so. I think that's a fear a lot of people have. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, it seems to me like she's in this place right now where she is open to like you know, she's, it seems like maybe she, I don't know, I guess we haven't really seen her working on herself, but we've seen her like moving through her life, trying out some different things, exploring some different things. And at the beginning of this episode, when we see her walking along, you know, we see her still getting a call from Sassy, like her friend, like she's not, I don't think she's like, you know, she's getting calls from people like in this case, Sassy, right. Checking in on her, like, she is, she is a, like, she is walking alone, but she is also cared for in so many ways. So I don't know. I, I, I wasn't getting that impression as much as, but you know, just like that. She's like, Oh, I have an evening by myself. Like, huh. And then you're in another country and you're walking on the bike lane. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then you get cat called sort of by a guy. Yeah, that was an interesting. I was like, what's happening there? <laughs> but it seems like, I mean, he was not only saying she's beautiful, but also trying to tell her to get out of the bike lane. Yeah, they really danced a line with houseboat guy who we don't ever learn his name. So I guess that's what I'll call him. Houseboat guy, good call. Uh, they really danced a line between him being like creepy and charming. Like at every turn, I'm like, Ooh, you're really dancing the line. Like, I mean that, I think that that first encounter is the perfect example, right? Like he stops his phone call. He's like, I have to talk to the beautiful woman. And I'm like, all right, buddy. But then he's telling her she's walking in a dangerous place. So maybe it's okay. It just throughout the episode that I was like, Whoa, they're on a tightrope. Yeah. So then she falls in the canal. Right. Wow. He her. saves her, I guess. Yeah, she, she has to get out of phone. Those... Oh, right. She loses her phone and she has to get out of the wet clothes, apparently immediately. Yeah, I mean, she's she is letting herself be vulnerable. That's true. She's and she, we don't really get to see that. We don't really get to see the decision. To be like, I guess I'll take a shower in this man's boat instead of like take a taxi to my hotel. <laughs> that's where you have to suspend disbelief a little bit or maybe this is like she's like kind of more open this maybe this is part of Rebecca's journey of like being a little bit more open to like all right I'm gonna go on a little adventure like yeah sure I'll take a shower in this strange man's houseboat I mean I don't know if she it's hard to tell if she's like fully attracted to him in the beginning but it's like maybe she's just like all right like 
there's a hot man and he offered that I can take a shower in his house. Like mm-hmm. might as well. I don't know. We're just, we're just yeah. hi- hypothesizing as to why <laughs> she made that decision. But in any case, she decides to take off her clothes and take a shower. <laughs> and he, again, dancing the line between charming and creepy says he steps out. So she doesn't fear that he is like looking at her through a peephole. Yeah. That was weird. I was like, okay. I- but he does leave her tea and and then he's not there right when she gets out of the shower but he leaves her tea she sees that her um her clothes are in the dryer and it's going to take a few hours to dry them yeah Anyways, she's tr- novelty novelty she's novelty could be good for the soul maybe she's just like all right i fell on a canal who knows what's gonna happen next <laughs> I, well i do realize so it's her storyline in particular that i think like really speaks to the travel element like i don't think we would see rebecca behaving this way if we, she wasn't in another country in another city yes i think agreed. this like it got her out of I mean, one, I think I always forget, but like she is well known in London, right? right? Mm -hmm. She's, she was in tabloids. So she has this level of anonymity in Amsterdam that she doesn't get to appreciate when she is in London. So I think that like that makes her probably less guarded because Mm -hmm. she doesn't have to worry about what might show up in a tabloid. And like maybe a little bit more like, all right, let's go on this ride. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I can totally see that with traveling. Like, all right, I'm going to just let this unravel. I don't feel like I'm going to die yet. So, uh, Yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of these kinds of things that Rebecca's doing right now as a single traveler uh, <laughs> going to different places and just being like, well, I trust myself. Let's see. I mean, yeah. I know I can get out of this if I don't actually want to stay. I've never stayed on someone's boat before, but just about everything else. I've been like, well, let's see what happens here. I trust myself enough. I can get out of this if I need to. And this is, let's see what happens. So yeah, totally. I think that's a great point. And oh, you know, later on in the episode, we see Colin showing up at a bar being like, do you know who I am? Right. And so it is a good point that like, presumably nobody knows who Rebecca is right now and that's really freeing Mm -hmm. and she so not only do I think there's that and she also immediately gets all of her armor removed because I always think about like the hair the makeup the clothes like they're all so structured and and they're beautiful but like it does always seem like a little bit of armor that she has on and so falling in the canal and then having to take a shower and not having her clothes is such a lovely way to show like her armor has been stripped away. And I think that lets her be more vulnerable too. It sure seems like it because she's pretty, I mean, aside from being like, Oh, I'm, you know, like initially saying I'm not going to stay for dinner. I'm not going to have a drink pretty quickly. Then she's like, Oh, wear this dress of your ex-wife's like that was a very un-Rebecca dress too it's a very I mean she I was gonna say she looks softer in all of this than basically we've ever maybe seen her before like you're saying in terms of like that she just she just looks softer and and slightly more disheveled in a way that's adorable also I mean she's also striking no matter whatever she wears but um yeah not uh Yeah, I think it's a great point to say not only is the armor come off, she's now like in this very different vibe. Yeah, really leaning into the houseboat of it all, like the houseboat (laughs) energy. Yeah, singing songs, dancing, drinking Mm -hmm. some what is over brandy or something. I don't remember what it is like. Yeah, they're they really seem to 
be kindred spirits for sure. Yeah. I mean, I would say soulmates, maybe like a certain type of soulmate. Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe you use the word soulmate more than I do, but like they're fun. They're fun. They have like, they're like having a kindred spirit moment together that to be continued, maybe, you know, who knows what's next, Mm -hmm. but like they seem to like, yeah, they just like, they're having fun. They're having a fun time together. One thing that stood out to me about when I watched it the second time is how, you know, remember back in the first season, it's the make Rebecca great again episode when Sassy first shows up and she's talking to Keely about Rebecca and she's like, that's not the, like, you know, what you are seeing Mm -hmm. is not the real Rebecca. The real Rebecca is silly. And like this, this episode in particular, you find like, she was silly. And I think it was when I watched the first time I like, I loved it, but I also felt a little bit like off kilter because I'm like, this is not the Rebecca we have seen all season or all show. Yeah. But reflecting back on what Sassy had said, like she had said that Rupert had kind of like beaten that part out of her essentially. And I feel like this was her opportunity to like strip down and re like reignite that part of herself. Cause she was goofy. Like she was singing along to that song and like, yeah dancing yeah she was was, yeah she was good 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 recollection there yes yeah and we also see at one point you know as they start to you know talk a little bit more and we see scenes of them talking we see you know when she talks about the ex he says that she was unfaithful to him I mean we start to see some parallels in terms Mm -hmm. of self-disclosure though she doesn't at least at that point doesn't say anything about her own life that he's had an experience of someone being unfaithful to him and moving on from that. And it seems like there's some things that allow her that cue her into feeling safe in that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. The, I wrote down one of the things he said kind of at the end of that, where he was talking about his ex and he said with time, he said he almost destroyed their family. He said with time, I realized this thing didn't happen to me. It happened for me. Mm-hmm. And that really seemed to resonate with Rebecca too, that like maybe, you know, as awful as Rupert was, that was something that actually in the long run, the infidelity benefits her because she's going to be better at the other side of it. Um, yeah. And it seemed like, like there's this like little connection or I mean, there's a big connection that the two yeah. of them have in terms of their stories. I mean, she almost tr- ruined the team. <laughs> Well, at at the end of that, like their little storyline, right? Like they look like they just have this like beautiful night together, right? It's like the peak of a rom-com story. And then, so the next morning, they, I thought that that scene was really interesting. We see her like fall asleep with the foot rub and then she basically asks, like, did we have sex? Mm-hmm. And he says no. And then when he she leaves, he is like, did we? Oh, we did. I'm interested how you read that. I mean, I read it like some sort of like, did we fall in love? Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. Or like something like that. It was what I was what I was getting from it. How about you? That's how I I was. I feel like the question was like were we intimate and he like the answer is yes we were but not in a sexual sense and I watched it the first time with Dustin and he's like oh my god did they have sex she's gonna be pregnant they're gonna have a that's gonna be the baby (laughs) 
And I was like, I don't think that that. And he's like, and she has a daughter. And then I was watching it a second time last night and he was kind of in and out of the room and he happened to catch that scene. And he's like, oh, I think I misread that the first time. <laughs> he was real That's excited funny. for Rebecca. I was just but- curious if other people got like how that was interpreted. Cause I, I also like you did kind of was like, yeah, it was like intimacy, but not sexual. Yeah. I think it would make him creepier if he was like, did we? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. I know. Right. That would be just like, I, I think that would make him creepy. So like if he lied to her about them having sex so that because I, given the tone of the show, I assume that that's not what it was. Um, and that it was more of like, did we, yeah, like, like you said, did, were we intimate? Did we, I mean, cause right before then, right. They both like acknowledge that they don't know each other's names. And then she kisses him and the, the kisses, like, I mean, they look very connected in that kiss much to my dismay because I kind of still hope she gets back together with Sam, but it does seem like maybe this guy is more of her match. In any case, they looked very connected in that kiss. And then, you know, they have this like funny interaction about forgetting one another or not. And then he leaves. So yeah, I mean, I, I felt it was more like, did, did we connect? Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think we're going to see him again? I mean, I kind of think so. I guess it could go either way, right? Like maybe yeah. he's just this in some ways, like there's something really romantic about having a fun encounter with somebody that you never see again and never know of. But I kind of feel like he's coming back mainly because when she looked in the, the room with the pink and looks like a daughter is there, I was like, oh, is this like, is this her family? Like that, that's, mm-hmm. that's what, how about you? Do you think we're going to see him again? I, I could, re- I like, I, I'm straddling the fence on this one. Cause I'm like, it wouldn't, it, 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 we could. And I do think that they showed the daughter's room as like, I I kind of am leaning toward it being a little bit more of a red herring that like, I mean, I think it, it softens him as a person. I think it makes him feel more safe that he has a child and the child lives there. Like, I think like it's part of the, the overall vibe of the boat that allows her to feel comfortable there knowing that he's a parent. But I think that, I mean, I'm like, if I think about this practically, these two people, despite they have this like soul connection, but I mm-hmm. don't know if they work in real life. Like, so are think you about, saying there's a chance for Sam still? I think there's still a, a chance. <laughs> I, I mean, low key, what I think, I think, I don't think her and Sam end up together. Oh, probably not. But I was, I was having a whole conversation yeah. with myself during this episode of like, but I still like her and Sam, but this guy is like way more age appropriate and like not involved in like the things and they do seem to really enjoy one yeah. another. Do you want to say, do you have some other prediction? I don't, I mean, I don't know. I usually, I feel like I have a pretty good, I have called a lot of the things that happen on this mm-hmm. show. I have no idea what is going to happen with Rebecca. I do think that the fact that the green matchbook is from Sam's restaurant, I think that that this show, the whole, like what it does is subvert your expectations. And so I think that that was ex- like, I think the fact that it's Sam's restaurant, I'm like, now it can't be Sam because oh, that's no. too easy. It's too easy. <laughs> okay well maybe no maybe the predictions of tish are like those are the the people she has to go through like get Mm -hmm. over in order to find like whatever like whatever that family that tish describes so like first just to kind of get over sam 
than I mean, not that she was pining for John's John Wingstop. <laughs> but it kind of like checked a box Hard for her. Like if she ran into him. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, it's not you. Yeah. Yeah. So and I don't know if tumbling like so I was trying to figure out if I thought that this was the you're wet, but I'm like, it wasn't a thunderstorm, and I feel like we're gonna see a storm. And I kind of feel like she's probably gonna get in a, like a car accident. Is what oh, I predicted. Oh gosh! But she's okay. fine. That's what the prediction says. <laughs> I'm like, she's tumbling and it's raining and thunder and lightning, but she's fine. Maybe I don't know. Maybe she falls that falls down the stairs. Yeah, and I mean, she was fully upside. I thought the part of it was you're 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 in a thunder and rainstorm upside down, right? She was definitely yeah. upside down when she fell in the canal. True, but there's no so, thunder and lightning. No, so. but she was safe. So who knows? We'll see. We'll yeah, see. We'll see. Now we're all <laughs> believers. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see what happens for Rebecca next. But you know, can we just celebrate at the end how happy she looked? Mm-hmm. Like when she gets on the bus and like that I that might be the happiest we've ever seen Rebecca look. By far. And the most and the relaxed. Most, yes. Yes. Yeah. She like this was a turning point for her, I feel like. And I think, I mean, that, I think that's true of everyone. I think that's what this, like all of this like novelty, getting to experience new things, getting out of the place that you have your routines and your comfort can be so good for us. And like Rebecca is a prime example of that, like really throwing her normal behavior to the wind and like getting to experience something new. And now yeah. she's all happy and silly happy and silly and we see like a little moment with her and ted where he's like hey you didn't answer any of my texts which he i feel like they're i feel like they're coming back together again because she's relaxed a little bit she's not Mm -hmm. super focused on beating rupert right now in this moment and he's also maybe we should talk about him next he's stepping up in terms of some things that she was frustrated about it seems like yeah, I mean, yeah, we can talk about him. That I think that's a nice segue into him because he also got out of his comfort zone, I guess, and then also into his comfort zone. It was like a weird. <laughs> he he drank the tea, but then he also went to the American restaurant. I think. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, we he ends, and we we'll, we can kind of talk about his journey through it. But he he ends like giving a shit. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And which we haven't, you know, he's been lost up until this point. And it seems like whatever the combo of dud batch mushrooms, Van Gogh and American food did, it busted him out of that funk. The barbecue sauce. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's a great, that is a great summary of his journey. I mean, in general, we see what we were talking about in our last a podcast episode of him seeming stuck and him acknowledging that, you know, like that he feels stuck and that he's in any case, he's saying he wants, like, he doesn't know what's wrong with him. He's confessing to beard. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I feel like I need something to change my mind mm-hmm. to which beard <laughs> beard is hilarious. in this like, so, so beard. He's like, I have just been waiting for this. I, this is also when Beard had, I think one of my favorite lines of the entire show that has ever existed. He said, I don't say this often because generally I think it's implied, but trust me. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, facts, that's true. You do just normally trust Beard blindly. Um, Yeah. yeah, So Beard gives him 
tea, special tea, which is a funny Ted hates tea. So it's particularly offensive. Mm -hmm. Um, I kept, I was like, is he going to drink it? Is he gonna? I mean, he doesn't at first, right? He's like, oh, and Beard's super bored and like, (laughs) he lets Beard leave. Beard's going to go have another night like his solo episode from last year. Yeah, we, we, I mean, thanks to that episode, we know what Beard gets up to now. Uh, and, and then eventually Ted, Ted opts to drink the tea. Like he, I think it's kind of pushed enough to get out of his funk. I like to think it was him watching Keely, like that same video from season one and thinking about her, like, you know, not stepping away from what Mm -hmm. you used to do. I like to think it was that. I think mostly he was just like, I need to, I need to get out of here. Yeah. Like this is a, this is a bleak moment. Yeah. (laughs) It was dark. (laughs) so then he goes to that I thought it was interesting I feel like that whole Van Gogh touring everything I mean I know he's also in Amsterdam but he goes Mm -hmm. to see the museum night that Trent had mentioned earlier it seems and Mm -hmm. finds um some Van some inspiration in Van Gogh right I thought that the discussion he had with it looked like like somebody who worked for the museum was a really poignant one. It's funny when you get like these really significant lines from like a a character that you never you don't even know the name of. Yes. And he kind of talk he it talks about Van Gogh specifically and um did you write down any of what he said? I had one line that I wrote down that I thought I wrote was... down. I'm not sure if I captured it entirely, but I wrote down when you find beauty, you find inspiration. Never stop no matter how many failures. When you know you're doing what you have to do, you have to try. Is that what you wrote or was there something else? That it, The only difference is that you're meant to do. What, what is that last line? When you know you're doing what you're meant to do, you have to try? Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I just think that it's interesting using like meant again, like language is so specific in this show um, and thinking about like, what is it like when I hear what you're meant to do, it's like, what is in your core? Like you can't. There is no other option. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you have to. Um, and so I think that like I think that was a good reminder for Ted that this is what he's meant to do is to coach and to lead the team. And it's something that it seems like he's been like forgetting up until yeah. this point. And I also noticed at least twice, there might have been other times, but in this same discussion right before this. I think it's the, whatever the guide or host or whatever that person is set is talking about how Van Gogh had his demons, but he kept going. And that's, I don't know if we're going to talk about Higgins at any other point, but Higgins also talks about that when he's talking about Chet Baker, which I felt significant that like, I think that's an important thing that goes along with this, right? Is like, it doesn't mean you don't have challenges. It doesn't mean you don't struggle, just because you found what you're meant to do, there's still, there's still failures, right? There's still challenges. You might still walk with like whatever, whatever you consider your demons, right? But mm-hmm. you have to keep trying. You know, it's funny. I was looking for some quotes for another thing that I'm working on, totally unrelated to this, but it totally connects. Um, and I was looking for quotes on resiliency. And specifically, this is from Adam Grant, who's an organizational psychologist. And um, he wrote that resilience isn't about immunity to pain. It's about finding the strength to withstand strain. 
And you mm. don't have to overcome all your hardships. Now you just have to carry them until your future self can handle them. Mm, cool. Yeah, it just, it seems like it kind of connects to that same idea, right? Like you can carry those burdens, you can carry those demons with you. Like you don't, and I think it's like a, I suppose another way of saying um, every emotion is temporary. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, tomorrow is a new day. Six months from now is a new time. Like eventually this will get easier. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's great. So between the combination of him looking at Van Gogh sunflowers and having some wisdom from strangers and finding finding his way to the whatever it was called, Yankee Doodle something or other. Did you write it down? No. Not, the American not, restaurant. Doesn't the American matter. restaurant. I thought that this part was kind of cool that, you know, for everyone else, I mean, other than Beard, but Beard is his own creature. For everyone else on the team, they were they are normally in their comfort zone for the most part. And they were stepping out into a new environment. I think this was kind of cool to see Ted go from, he is always kind of out of his element in a new country and step into a comfort zone, right? Like seeing the sports he's familiar with, hearing accents he's familiar with, food that he's familiar with, the barbecue sauce that it's the same, that was the same brand that he had shipped from Kansas in the first season, right? Like that level of comfort that everyone else on the team kind of gets to feel all the time. And he, he is missing for the most part. Yeah. 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 At least everybody who's from England gets to feel that in the, on the team. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets that moment. It's sort of, he gets sort of a moment like what Sam gets when he has the Nigerian restaurant situation, right? Like these, these moments where you're like, Oh, home, which in this case right now for him is a bit of a novelty as well. Right. Even though it's like, it is right. his comfort zone. It's not one that he's, he's in. So it's, you know, it's even, it's pretty novel that they have the barbecue sauce that he wants, right. And the pile of onion rings and the portion sizes of, of American <laughs> restaurants. So, yeah, I mean, he gets some, he just has some inspiration that shows up, whether it's from the tea that he drank or, just the placebo effect of thinking or just being out for the night. He, he really starts to get into his drawing at drawing of whatever you can probably explain it better <laughs> of sports strategies, triangles. Yeah. The triangle offense. <laughs> uh, I mean, I got real excited. I kind of figured. Point. Oh my God. <laughs> like, this I is Marsha's favorite part. I was losing my mind. Yeah. As soon as they, they, there was a Bulls game on, I was like the triangle offense. It's the triangle. They're gonna try, <gasps> wow. They have to talk about triangles. Cause that's like, it's a big, I mean, it's a principle of sport. Like every team I have ever been on has run some sort of like every, everything in sport is based off of this concept. And it's just the, that concept that they talk about in the show, which is you should always have two places you can pass the ball, right? Like okay. you need two options. You never want to get stuck in a position where you only have one way out because oftentimes that way gets blocked, right? It's blocked mm -hmm. by another player. Um, which also I think is like important to life too, right? Like alternate alternate options available to you so yes I got very excited about this <laughs> I'm just I, I I liked though in this specifically that you know Ted 
there was a couple little little tiny things that happened when he walked in the restaurant like he looked at the dartboard and I think like and he also mentions his dad a few minutes later or at some point talking about watching basketball and then he also had that flash where he thought he saw Nate like I think it's Mm -hmm. like these these especially these people who seem to be weighing on his conscious a bit are like popping up in his mind. I thought that that was kind of interesting that those came in, but he didn't have a panic attack or he didn't spiral. It just was like, oh, there's there, that's there, and I'm going to let it pass. I had wondered if this something like this was going to show up because there's been a couple of sports documentaries lately that have specifically talked about the Chicago Bulls and some coaching around it and the the triangle offense. And I feel like it was also discussed in the World Cup this year too by a couple coaches so anyway I was like expecting that to come up I also um I thought it was interesting at the end like when Ted was telling Beard about this idea that he has that was invented in the 70s in Holland he talks about like they need to be free and open and position to position and positions don't really exist anymore right like he keeps saying Um, I think the other line I wrote down is our guys need freedom as long as they fill in space of someone left behind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you think about teams and I I think of systems theory (laughs) and systems theory essentially is that like there are these roles that are will get filled. They just have to get filled within a system. And I think like Ted is finally kind of like coming back to this philosophy that it seems like he had to start with, which is like people just need to identify the roles that they need to fill. And as long as we have that, we're gold. Um, and now he, I guess maybe now he's thinking about it in terms of actually on the field, as opposed to previously, he was thinking about that more off the field. Yeah. Yeah. He says, I, I wrote down fast, fluid, and free with full support. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's nice. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see if that ends up being uh, a, some sort of major, major breakthrough. I sure hope so. I'd really like to see them win still. Oh, I feel like at the end of this episode, it was they are coming out of their dark forest. Like yeah. that's what it felt like to me. Everyone is lighter. You can yeah. just like see it and, uh, because of all of these different journeys that they went on. It really seemed like it. I have high hopes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's speaking of journeys, maybe Higgins and Will. That was a shorter. I feel like a smaller. I just I think that it was interesting. The like focus on jazz because mm-hmm. I, I am not a jazz person. I don't know if you are. Not really. No, I don't. I would definitely, I would not call myself a jazz person. I enjoy jazz music on occasion, but is I'm not a jazz person. Go on. Well, I think that a whole thing with jazz is that oftentimes, like, it doesn't have as much melody and repetition that, like, other types of music has. And, like, it's more about, like, creativity. and flow. I mean, if there's some jazz expert, please correct me. But that's my understanding of it, is that it is a little bit more, like, going with the flow. And and so the, the one thing that I thought was interesting about that is, number one, that Will just went with the flow with Higgins. He like there was this running joke of Higgins is going to the red light district, and everyone's like, "No, they're like, what?" Yeah. But Will was still like, "All right, I guess I'm going." Yeah. Um, but also, I think if we're thinking about 
you know, overarching themes in this show, especially this episode, this like focus on jazz and the creativity and the like lack of repetition that comes with jazz is sort of like this overarching theme for the novelty that's happening throughout everyone else in the show. Speaking of triangles, we also hear that Will had a threesome. So there's another little triangle, some more novelty for you. Side note, he's telling his mom. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I feel that? like there, yeah, there's a lot to unpack about <laughs> Will's relationship with his mother. Oh, <laughs> um, well, have fun. Yeah, they, sh- I mean, they got out of there. They got out of their comfort. Well, they, I mean, presumably Will got out of his comfort zone. I don't know. And it seems like they just had a fun night too. And there's a lot of novelty. And I'm, though we don't get to see a lot of Higgins at the very end, I imagine he, was very nourished through that experience. Mm-hmm. So another duo we saw were Trent and Colin. And I think that that had, like, was a story that had a lot more weight. I'm really glad that we finally got to see Colin talk about his experience Me with too. being gay and being a professional athlete. Because there's been some, you know, it's also something that's been a little bit more in the news recently. Like, we've had a few athletes that have come out um, and yeah, I think hearing his experience and specifically getting a chance to talk to Trent about it, I think was an interesting and valuable piece of insight to get. Yeah. Up until this point, I couldn't really tell what Trent's intentions were like I was nervous for Colin and it seems like maybe we're set up to feel that way perhaps that you know Trent is such a critic of things and we know we see in a previous episode that Trent sees Colin making out with the other guy I don't know if that's his boyfriend or a guy who was around he we see that and so it feels I know I felt like oh is this gonna be okay did you were you worried when you saw Trent following Colin I ha- I already called it uh, that Trent was gay. I was like, he's definitely gay. I think that's like, Dustin looked at me when the, he this episode happened. He was like, how the fuck did you know that? And I was like, <laughs> I just got a vibe, man. Mm-hmm. So I, I was operating assuming Trent was gay. So I kind of thought that something akin to this was going to happen or the worst case was that he was going to come and talk to Colin before the book was coming out and somehow it would make its way in the book but I didn't get the impression that Colin was going to be outed Mm -hmm. in a like traumatic way by Trent I mean it doesn't seem in keeping with the show I also didn't hear that that was going to happen in terms of what the show but I wasn't I I wasn't clear what Trent was doing exactly or what was going to happen so I was really glad that that scene happened. And I'm curious to see, you know, Trent has gone from sort of Trent's role. I I don't know what else to say about Trent's role right now, but it's been interesting to watch his character evolve throughout this show and from sort of being the antagonist to maybe being more of an ally in many ways throughout the, throughout the show. Mm -hmm. So it's neat to see and also neat to get a little more insight into Trent's life as well. Mm-hmm. I thought that um, one, I mean, I think that this is evidence of the lasso effect, right? Like you, Trent seems like a dick when we first encounter him. And then he has this whole day with Ted and he, it kind of warms him and softens him. And I, I, you know, we think the next thing that we really know about Trent is he revealed his, he wrote the article about Ted's panic attack, but he also revealed his source knowing that professionally that could be 
damning. And so you're like, okay, well, he's already started his journey into the lasso effect, which is what he called it. And now to see him step up. One thing that this scene with Trent made me think of is I think it was just the most previous episode where the team is talking about different strategies, like different offenses to run. And uh, the coaches are, and Trent is in the office and he kind of goes, and they're like, what, what, right. Then they have this whole back and forth. Like, are you one of those anthropologists that just lets the monkey die? The sad, sick monkey. Are you going to speak up, like get out there and help? Right. Like they have that whole, and it's kind of a joke and he speaks up and they're like, oh, that won't work. And it's, you know, it's almost a, just a light throwaway scene. Mm -hmm. But now you're like, oh, he internalized that though. Right. He, I feel like this is him being like, okay, no, I can't just sit back and watch this. Like I need to go interact and play an active role and help this (laughs) sad monkey or like (laughs) monkey, but whatever they called it, it was like a dying monkey. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I just want to put like a note into one of the things that Colin said he talked about specifically, like he's like, I don't want to be a poster. He didn't use the word poster child, but I forget what he. I think he said spokesperson. Yeah. I don't want to be like the spokesperson. I just want to live like basically like I want these two lives that I live to be one life. Mm -hmm. I thought that that was so profoundly sad. Mm -hmm. And, and I think a good, a good way to highlight probably what happens with many, particularly, I think, I mean, this is a function of toxic masculinity, right? Particularly gay men who are in sport, especially sports that, are considered more highly masculine, right? Like football is and how it does. It means it coming out doesn't just mean like you tell your family and friends and you live openly. It means the whole world knows your personal life. And like that is, that is a much taller order. And I think Trent is very kind in acknowledging that. Um, I think that's the one place that women's sports has it a little bit easier. There's a lot more women who are openly gay or lesbians in sport and are able to live pretty, like, pretty openly, Mm -hmm. Um, again, because toxic toxic masculinity is a real bitch. Okay. Yeah, I liked I I liked getting to hear more of I I really enjoyed getting to know more about Trent and Colin, which we both of those that that scene is one that we get to know both of Mm -hmm. them a bit more. And it seems like the the choice for Colin to head out on a night on his own and have some novelty of his own was good for his soul too. All right, finally, Roy and Jamie. Yeah, they're funny. So, That's a funny one. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it's like the, one of the more humorous storylines, but it also has a lot of vulnerability. Like they both disclose a lot in this. And I think we've fully solidified their relationship as mentor mentee. Like this, the fact that Jamie taught Roy how to ride a bike. I mean, that's. <laughs> uh, I will just. I just want to note all. I I thought what I wanted was a training montage of Roy <laughs> yelling at Jamie. I thought that's what I wanted. And you know what? That was not what I needed. What I needed was Jamie showing Roy how to ride a bike. Because (laughs) that scene made me, I had to pause the show when that scene was ending. Because I was like, I need to calm down. Like, I am laughing. And like, I'm too 
stimulated <laughs> by this <laughs> entire scene. I'm losing my mind. I just, I like, I needed a beat to calm down. It made me so, it was so funny. Oh it was it. great. It was great. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It was really good. Yeah. And I mean, we see in this, they're, they're both disclosing things right we when jamie's clearly like knows all these different places in amsterdam as they're running around he's sharing all these places and we see them both revealing things about themselves that the other didn't know right we see uh, roy obviously sharing that he doesn't know how to ride a bike confessing that and jamie teaching him we see after that jamie sharing that you know his mom and his dad both brought him here when his dad brought him to amsterdam he also took him to the red light district and that's how he lost his virginity like there there's that's a pretty intense self-disclosure and and then roy acknowledges that he thinks keely's dating a woman right like there's these different pieces and parts where they're being vulnerable with one another in what seems to be a very new way for their friendship Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, I think that this has solidified their relationship, you know, in a way that like, it, you know, it's built slowly, right? We know that Jamie used to idealize Roy and like really, really enjoy uh, or he really looked up to Roy as a player and then they played together and it was really a conflict ridden relationship. And finally, they've kind of come out the other side. I think this is them fully out of their dark forest as a duo um and also I thought that Jamie's what he notes about his dad is such a lovely way of reflecting how trauma works how he was talking he talked about the bad you know the story with his dad and then he went again with his mom and said that he was like yeah even when I was here with her he was still kind of there like it was like he was with me. I was like, ooh, that is that is trauma, right? Like there, you know, it just it hangs on even when you're out of the experience. Um, and you know, I guess maybe that's part of Jamie's demons that he is still kind of dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they ride to the windmills. I was trying to figure out if the windmills were a metaphor for something, but I don't know enough about windmills. Did you have any take on that? No, I I think it was just like it's Holland, and that's a thing that you could go find. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, if anybody's uh, listening, and you're like, the windmills mean this. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, it was the adventure they had to go on. Well, they have some novelty, certainly mm-hmm. stealing, but running around town, stealing bikes. <laughs> learning to ride bikes going to some new places for Roy at least and Mm -hmm. and have that novelty that seems like I mean they seem in great spirits as well when they get back to the bus in the morning Mm -hmm. so it seems like they had a good time yeah and then the last is I think just talking real quickly about the team as a whole right Mm -hmm. like you know their story was I mean I guess in terms of lightness the team story of where they're gonna go um was definitely the lightest of the stories, but I think it did a nice job of just helping to illuminate how disconnected the team is. They still, even after that inspiring believe speech that Ted had in the last episode, they're still disconnected, right? They all want to go in different directions. They're having trouble coming to an agreement about where to go and experiencing a lot of conflict. And I think like that, it's so interesting. Like, you know, you get to see that, off the field they're still experiencing that even though they tend to get along with one another Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. What do you think of them landing on a pillow fight at the end? <laughs> I mean, I loved the callback. What is it a callback to? Oh, for the see, the episode when they go to um and play they go to Liverpool. It's the episode. The first it's in the first season and Ted says, "Okay, movie night or pillow fight." And they uh... say movie <laughs> night and he goes, "You say okay, but you say pillow fight one time, you won't we won't ever watch a movie together again." So, <laughs> it was a callback to Ted, which I think it's noteworthy that Sam suggested movie night and pillow fight is that what sam was passing to isaac i couldn't figure out what was happening there okay yeah sam suggested pillow fight okay okay and then they went for it yeah it looked very fun oh my gosh the whole time i kept being like i mean again for me suspending reality i had to be like in the hotel lobby is just letting them do that I mean, they're very wealthy. <laughs> okay, that must be. It. Anyways, yeah, it seems like they at least found something to do that brought them together from what we can see there. Yeah, and brought light. I mean, I think there's like, there's something to be said for doing something that like gets aggression out in a healthy way. They got to compete, they got to beat each other up with pillows. They came to agreement about something and it seems like everyone like they left some of their demons in Amsterdam right like whatever whatever they needed to release was released and that getting out of their comfort zone helped them achieve that yeah well who's who knows what's going to happen next but I sure hope some more good things happen for the team Thanks so much for listening to the P.S. Let's Talk Love podcast. We want to send out a special thank you to Medium Build for our show music. And if you enjoy this podcast, follow us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want to support us, it's super helpful if you could give us a five-star rating and leave us a review sharing what you're loving right now. Really, we want to know. And if you don't like it and you got this far, don't worry. You do not have to listen to us again. You can just, you can just forget this podcast exists and move along. You can catch up with us on Instagram at ps.welovelove or follow us on TikTok at psconsulting. If you're interested in private coaching or learning more about our online classes, go to pscurators.com to learn more and find free resources to support you. See you next time.